Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Over the Farmgate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host, FG's news and business reporter, Hannah Binns. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Just make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform. And if you enjoyed this week's podcast, please feel free to share it with your friends and family as well as on social media. On this week's podcast, Lucy Baxter talks to two prominent figures within the tractor and machinery world to find out more about their businesses, sales and resales. But first, poor mental health has been identified as agriculture's biggest hidden danger, with a recent industry survey revealing a third of farmers are possibly or probably depressed. Stephanie Berkeley, Farm Safety Foundation Manager, joins me to discuss this year's Mind Your Head campaign, and Terry Pricktall, a senior lecturer at Harper Adams University, shares how his suicide attempt left a scar like any other physical injury, but one which highlighted things got better. Okay, so Stephanie and Terry, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast to discuss the important issue um, of mental health within the agricultural world. This week, for listeners who may not be aware, is the Farm Safety Foundation's annual Mind Your Head campaign, and I wondered if Stephanie could please tell me a bit about the campaign. For instance, how long has it been running and why was it started? Um, yeah, well, this is the fifth year of the campaign and we started it to raise awareness of the challenges that face the UK's farming industry and the numbers of farmers and farm workers that might be struggling with poor mental health right now. It's about educating and engaging an industry to challenge and change poor attitudes to mental health and slowly chip away at the stigma in the industry. And there is a stigma. It does still exist. So the campaign brings together nearly 400 key individuals and organisations right across the UK to encourage people to, that are living and working in the industry to look out for each other and look after each other, not just this week, but every week. And what are some of the main aims of the campaign this year? We're launching this year's campaign on Valentine's Day. So it's a day that celebrates love, but a day that can also highlight how different alone or low you can feel. So it's about checking in with yourself and others and actually reaching out to anybody that you think might be feeling down, lonely or struggling. You might feel nervous that you're not an expert, so you're not in a position to offer an opinion. But actually, it's about telling people that, you know what, I'm listening. I'm here. I love you. You're brilliant. Um, I'm on your team. I want to help. That can be really beneficial. It can make somebody feel supported. And I'm desperate that I don't sound too earnest here, you know, but we just need to start slowly chipping away at that stigma. So it could be a step in the right direction. And why do you think there is such a stigma around the issue? Well, farmers are traditional, conservative people. They're hard workers. I've said it before, but they put their live livestock, their land and their machineries way above themselves from a safety point of view, but also from a mental well-being point of view. You know, so... It's just something they don't have people to talk to on a day-to-day basis. So it is about reaching out to somebody, asking them, are they okay? Waiting for an answer. And if they don't ask, you know, if they don't answer you, ask twice. And do you think the issue is kind of getting worse? Do you think COVID has exacerbated things? Oh, definitely. 2020 and 2021 have been incredibly challenging for the UK's farming industry. We know from our research that levels of mental well-being in the under 40s have actually fallen over the last year. But also there's extreme weather conditions, poor harvests, supply chain shortages and, of course, global pandemic to contend with. But farming endures as it always does. But at what cost? 
And how are you able to raise awareness about poor mental health? Well, as you know, Hannah, we're a small charity, but we can't do it alone. We're so lucky to have 400 passionate individuals right across the UK and organisations sharing our messages and sharing their stories like Terry has done with us. And we're lucky to have him with us today, you know, so something like that can make it real, relatable, and it hopefully will help one person to identify maybe something in themselves or somebody that they live or work with and then start that conversation. Mm. And you mentioned 400 um, people are kind of involved. Uh, are they organisations, schools, colleges, farmers? Yeah, the, in terms of the people that we've got, we have the National Farmers Unions, we've got AHDB, we've got people like Kelvin Fletcher from um, Strictly, you know, and who's actually a new farmer himself. We've got people from right across the UK that have done inspiring things, that have had personal experiences of dealing with their mental well-being and how they're dealing with it. But we're also speaking to people who've actually gone out and created things like apps, like browser extensions, like podcasts to help people to stay connected. So it's very, and obviously we've got all those fantastic rural support charities and there are probably about 60 of them right across the UK sharing our messages, amplifying it and getting it out to a wider audience. And on the browser extension, could you just explain a bit more about that to our listeners who may not know what that tool is? Yeah, we were approached by a fantastic young lady called um, Alice Handy. And unfortunately, she had lost her brother, um, Josh, to suicide in November 2020. And on Christmas Day, she happened to be, the following Christmas Day, she happened to be just going scrolling through his phone and she had seen that he had um, been researching techniques and she having worked in IT decided she wanted to do something about that so it's an extension that you can download onto your um, computer and it highlights keywords and areas and if this comes up the message of hope pops up on the screen that brings that person back that disconnects them from the thoughts that they're having and hopefully points them in the right direction of support that's available for them in the area. It's wonderful. We'll be telling her story um, during the week, so it'll be on the website. Mm, I think that's a fantastic tool. Um, I know that as a young person, it's quite easy if you don't know an answer just to Google it. Um, so I can kind of see why people who may be having some of these thoughts might turn to Google to kind of validate them. So it could be a really useful tool. So thank you for highlighting that to farmers. Um, moving on to Terry. Why did you decide to get involved in the campaign this year? Hello. Hello. <laughs> I've suffered from um, mental health problems for, if I if I look back at it really honestly, most of my adult life and also quite um, quite a bit of my childhood, just born out of whether you want to say it's genetic or just um, it's part of who I am. There have been challenges I've lived with for a long time. Um, last year, uh, after having a, uh, a period of nearly 10 years where I would say I was fully recovered, very healthy and happy, uh, probably galvanised by lockdown. But like, like a lot of these things, it's, a, it's the perfect storm of events that all come together. I, I became very, very unwell um, to the point where, um, you know, I'm not going to um, beat around the bush. I, I like, like Steph has just been talking about in um, with, with, with Josh, I thought very seriously about trying to take my own life and actually took steps towards doing so. Now, thankfully for me, and I consider myself extremely lucky, I didn't go through with it. And from there, I received excellent help, which has allowed me to turn a corner. Um, 
but I as, as part of my recovery I felt um and and how alone and how ashamed I felt while I was going through this and, and despite having a very loving family and great friends I didn't really feel like I had many places I could um I could turn to to get help now the reality was there were lots but I felt I wanted to speak up um particularly of you know men in their 40s, uh, particularly in agriculture, who typically are not very good at speaking up about this, these sorts of things. I think um, there's still a real sense of stigma, shame and embarrassment around admitting you have a mental health problem. It's got a lot better in the last 10 to 15 years, um, but it, we, we still need to do more. So I wanted to try and put something back. And the uh, Farm Safety Foundation and the LOLE's campaign have been long-standing supporters of Harper Adams and our students. They've helped us deliver safety training to hundreds of our students who go out onto placement. And I, I wanted to put something back specifically into our industry. And I thought the best way to do that was, was through the LOLE's campaign. And I wanted to help Steph and her team out. Um, so we had a conversation last year and, and it's gone from there. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being so honest about your experience. In terms of reaching out to support, um, who did you approach during that time? Well, I, I started out with, with obviously talking to my um, my immediate family and friends about it, and they were they all have been brilliant. But um, the, the sort of direction I was going through the, the middle of last year was I was it was like spiraling out of control. I, I also engaged with, um, you know, the, the National Health Service and my GP. My GP has been awesome, but um, trying to get the specific support you need when you're going through something like this through a pandemic when you can't see people face to face certainly mm -hmm. didn't help. The um, mental health services within the Shropshire NHS are under colossal demand, as I as I understand they are around the rest of the country. And again, whilst I received good support from those organisations, it wasn't really um, coming for me uh, at a time where I really needed it. So the um, I guess the, the turning point was when on, on the day I'd tried to take my own life, um, my wife had become very, very worried and had called the police. Um, and the police turned up at our house when I came home. And obviously, I don't tend to spend a lot of time in, uh, in, in dealing with the police as a, as a senior lecturer <laughs> and placement manager. I'm typically I have to be white and white. Uh, so it was very, very scary and very intimidating. But I, I'd, I'd say now that the, the two police officers who came to talk to me, they weren't coming to tell me I was in trouble. They were worried and they thought we needed help. And they were obviously very mindful of how difficult things have been over these last two years, as Steph's just said. So they talked to me, tried to calm me down and said to me, look, we're aware of a, a place called the Sanctuary in Shropshire, which is run by the Shropshire Men Mental Health Charity. Um, we regularly take people there. You know, we, we see people. You're not on your own with this. We can phone them and ask if we could, if they can see you for a couple of hours and chat to you. Do you want to do that? And I thought, well, at the point where you reach what your class is rock bottom, what have I got to lose? So they bung me in the back of a, a, a Vauxhall Astra Panda car and, um, and off I went. And I spoke to two fantastic counsellors right when I needed it, who went close to me, uh, you know, and, and sort of have a, a lack of impartiality. And they were specialists in what they did. And they certainly turned me onto the right track of going and seeking more help from my GP more support in terms of talking therapies from a counsellor 
um, perhaps how to engage better with it uh, at work because I was away from work at the time. And alongside that and the wonderful support I've had from my colleagues and management at Harper Adams, I've been able to get back on track. Fantastic. What advice would you give to someone listening along who may be struggling with some similar thoughts or feelings to the ones you had last year? Um, you are, you're not alone in this. Um, no matter how bad or ill you feel or whatever circumstances have led to you feeling like that, you can get yourself out of it. It might not feel like it now, but the thing to do is stop and seek urgent support. Now, as, as Steph's already alluded to it, it could just be having a conversation with someone close to you is enough to change the direction that you're going in. But if it's a, a crisis situation, the chances are you're going to need more specialist support. And it is out there. There are emergency numbers you can phone through your local um, NHS provider who uh, will, will step in and support you if you need that urgent help. Your GP or doctor, uh, I know they're difficult to get hold of, be persistent. Um, and also from my side, when there is a long waiting list for, for NHS counselling, don't be afraid. I know um, finances aren't always the easiest thing to uh, to delve into, but don't be afraid to go and see a private counsellor and pay for it so you get it in a more timely manner. It's not as expensive as you think for the price of a good meal out, which most of us don't even worry about, assuming you have time to get away from the farm and, and get out for a meal. But you know what I mean? These are, these are amounts that you would normally spend without thinking on other things. What could be more valuable than sorting your own mental health out? So that, that, that's been my approach. Um, I'm not going to say it's, it's going to work for everyone because it's a very specific and individual journey that you go on. But whatever support's going to work for you, engage with it and get it and realise, you know, um, you're not, you're not alone in this. Um, you shouldn't feel guilty about what, what is happening to you and that if you speak, someone will help you. Mm. Well, thank you for that piece of advice. It's really helpful. Stephanie, how can listeners get involved with the campaign this year or find out more about it? Well, you can follow at Yellow Wellies UK on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, like and share the content that we'll be posting throughout the week or even post your own experiences using the hashtag MindYourHead. And throughout the week, there will be lots of posts. There will be blogs, videos like Terry's story, articles and advice on our website. And that's www.yellowwellies.org. Mm. Well, thank you both for your time to discuss mental health within agriculture and to Terry for bravely sharing your story. I hope listeners along uh, will have found it useful. And if anyone is feeling, you know, similar to how you were feeling last year within their own experience, that they're able to take some of the steps that you might have done um, to, to get that journey started in towards getting better. It's an absolute thank pleasure. You. Thank you for the opportunity to get the message out. Yeah, thanks, Hannah, for your support. Do you grow maize and want to maximise your crop performance this year? Well, help is at hand. Just download the LG Maize Manager app. It will help you find the best varieties for your farm that maximise energy yield to improve feed performance. The app features a brand new LG Animal Nutrition section which highlights the potential savings that could be made by switching to a maize variety with superior nutritional qualities. These LG AM varieties provide a simple and cost-effective way for you to increase feed efficiency and reduce costs. Find out more by downloading Maze Manager for free today. Thanks, Stephanie and Terry. 
Up next is Lucy Baxter, who talks to Will Bell, an agricultural sales manager at PV Dobson, and Stuart Cornthwaite, managing director of Cornthwaite Group, about their tractor and machinery businesses, sales and resales. I'm here in Skipton in Yorkshire at one of PV Dobson and Sons depots with the agricultural sales manager, Will Bell. So, Will, thanks for having me. Why don't you just explain a bit about the history of PV Dobson? Yeah, no, thank you, Lucy. Um, well, PV Dobson's were founded in, back in 1940 by Percy Victor Dobson, hence got the name. Um, and then his two sons sort of took the business there, Alan and Chris, who sadly are no longer with us. And now PV's grandson, Andrew, is running the business, sort of covering predominantly Cumbria, Yorkshire, and Lancashire. Um, and the business now is roughly sort of half agricultural machinery and then half construction machinery. Both sides of the business help each other. The staff can do both jobs, i.e. mechanics, parts, sales, all involved in both sides of the business. So for PV Dobson for a long time, the main focus has been Massey Ferguson. That's the real sort of backbone of the business. And we also, as part of the Agco Group, self Ent as well. And then Manatee we took on in 2017, which has been a really good move for us. And that's both agricultural and construction machinery. So if we start off with talking about the Massey Fergusons, how is the new 8S selling and how does it differ for farmers who might not have looked into it from previous, the previous model? Yeah, uh, well, the 8S is pretty much a brand new tractor from the ground up. So I started the business back in 2012 and on the sort of the bigger six-cylinder tractors, we've had the 76 series, the 77s, and then 77s, and they've all been good tractors for us. You know, we've done okay with them, but they've all been very similar. Whereas the 8s is sort of a brand new thing. Um, the cab layout is one of the biggest changes, which I think in the high horsepower sector, massive, have been needed for a while, um, and it's gone very well. We've probably got half a dozen or so running around now, and on the whole, they've been very good. A few bits of niggles, but nothing horrendous. But the technology side and the cab comfort and the new gearboxes seem very good. So yeah, no real positive feedback so far. And um, what do you think the future is like? The way the future is going with Massey, what, what do you think it's looking like? Well, hopefully, so we've got the seven S coming out and the six S coming out. So we'll have hopefully by the end of quarter one, we'll have a full range for five S, six S, seven S, eight S. Which for the first time in a long time, we've had a full range. Sort of under the same family really so that's good and i think who knows the future really but um certainly things like hybrid and hydrogen power electric tractors all that side of things mm. you know there's rumors at fent are looking at electric tractors at some point as well um but that's certainly the way the future will go i think and what would you say for farmers wanting a massey or have a massey what would the sort of best selling point for that type of tractor be is it like if they're more comfortable than others or they're simpler or what would you say? Um, I think the, the hardest thing to try and sell someone is reliability. You can't prove that until someone's got one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I think as well, we have a, at PV Dobson, we have a good, a good service team, a real good backup team in after sales. And, you know, the massive range now is a good mixture of stuff. So like the smaller, you know, our bread and butter sort of 120, 130 horsepower loader tractors, um, which we sell a lot of those. And with a steep nose bonnet on the 5S, and what was on the 57S, that's been really, you know, the good selling feature for those. And then, you know, in this sort of 150 to 200 horsepower range, it's sort of good straightforward tractors. Again, some nice features on them, but generally speaking, very reliable. And, you know, that's probably the strongest part for Massey Ferguson at the moment for us is the reliability of them. What is Fent 1? What what tractor models is it in? Well, Fent 1 will end up in them all. Um, and the main 
sort of reason for Fent One is trying to make it easier for the farm, for the farmer in the farm office and the tractor driver uh, work better together. So it's not necessarily, especially on some bigger units where they might have three or four tractors, the farmer has more control if you're sat in the farm office, making altering settings and things like that, which will then wirelessly connect to the tractor. Oh, wow. So, yeah, no, it's um, impressive stuff, really. And what's different compared to the S4s then? So the, for instance, like on the 700s, which is the main range of fence yeah. we sell, uh, they've gone to the Gen 6 now, which is a new model. They're all on the Gen version now. Mm -hmm. um, it's a new layout in the cab. So the guts of the tractor are pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, it's a new layout on the cab, new armrest design, new screens, and just quite a few changes in the spec on certain models within the range, mm -hmm. like different cab finishes and things like that. And then you recently hosted the Manitou Roadshow. Yes. So what kind of machinery were they showing you? So we stock both the construction and the agricultural side of Manitou. Um, so the, the Roadshow is focusing on the agricultural range and they bought machines from four meters right through to nine meters um, with a range of gearboxes as hydrostatics, sort of the classic manual torque converter gearboxes, power shifts, varios, vario pluses. So we sell a lot of six and seven meters is probably into agriculture. And so how has lockdown impacted Dobson's? Yeah, the main, the main difference is we haven't, we haven't been going out and seeing customers. Um, we, we try and deal face to face where we can. Um, it's how we like to do it. And we think that's how most customers like to do it. Um, so yeah, most of the time it was either in the office or at home and yeah, dealing over the phone, emails, sending photos, that kind of thing. You know, we had a good run and we were fortunate that um, Andrew Dobson was keen enough to place enough order at the start of COVID and um, we had some stock to sell. So, because everybody's struggling for lead times or manufacturers. So if you haven't got stuff coming or in the yard, it's, you know, it's nearly impossible to sell stuff. Um, that couple with Brexit and other bits and pieces mm. going on, as soon as there's a bit of uncertainty, people hold back. If, if you know, if people know where they are, whether it's good or bad, they can plan, can't they, in budget. And you, you mentioned Brexit there, so if we touch on that, so how's that Im impacted sort of the selling, but now like exporting of machinery? Yeah, so the exporting of agricultural machinery is generally a lot trickier now. Um, so most countries within the EU now, we need to um, issue a cleaning certificate doesn't sound a big job, but it sort of is really. Um, and it's another reason just makes it a little bit more difficult. Now, the one thing we have found is that there has been good demand for second-hand traps within the UK. So we haven't exported as much as maybe we would have done previously because we managed to find homes for it in the UK, which is a little bit more straightforward. Now, now we don't have to, you know, so we don't have to do the cleaning side of it. So I've driven to another depot now in Kendall, we're in Cumbria, and I'm at Cornthwaite Group, and joining me is Stuart Cornthwaite, the managing director. This business started in 2006 um, with one outlet at Bispram Green near Ormskirk. Um, and then shortly after that, we kind of followed the, the John Deere um, policy of, of dealer rationalization and what they call the dealer of the future project. And in 2009, we purchased our neighbouring dealer in Nantwich, uh, agricultural machinery. And then since then, we've expanded to Kendall, where you're at today, and then latterly, uh, Dumfries and Carlisle. And why did you choose to sell John Deere? I don't think we, it was a case we really chose that. It's something I've grown up with, really. Um, so when I left school, I started work for my father's business, who's he's also a tractor dealer. At the time, he was a John Deere uh, dealer. 
So I left school, went straight into the family business. Um, I've grown up around John Deere. I've, you know, probably one of the first words I said was John Deere or tractor. <laughs> and so I've kind of grown up around the brand. So I, I don't know really whether I chose it or it chose me, but we kind of just fell in yeah. amongst one another. But it's the only brand I've ever been involved with and ever sold. And I think that probably makes us a little bit different from some other businesses that have changed from one brand to another. What are the advantages of a farmer buying a John Deere compared to other tractor brands, do you think? To, to try and take my John Deere hat off, really, and, and try and be unbiased, I would say the product perception of Deere, you know, the residual value of the product, um, I would argue that it, it looks after your money better than, than the competitive brands on the market. You know, the quality of the product over a number of years has, has stayed very consistent. And also, you know, the way the company's developing in future technology, they're spending a lot of money and have done for a number of years on the future and, and how much technology is involved within the, the products. And I think all those things packaged together, it, it makes a prospect that nobody else can really offer. And why don't you talk to me a bit more about that precision farming and what John yep. Deere is doing with that? People think of precision farming still as, you know, a tractor that will, you know, um, be guided by a satellite. And that's really only one small element of what we offer now. Our dealerships or our outlets are linked to all the products we supply. So we, we supply everything with what we call JD Link. So we can uh, monitor those tractors. Um, uh, we can understand when the, there's going to be a... a actually going to be a failure, a preventative failure. So um, Deere have put a lot of money into um, developing um, technology that enables the tractor to email us to let us know when certain sensors are out of place and therefore a failure may occur very soon. Mm -hmm. So we can actually contact the customer and say, we're, we're watching your tractor and you know something's going to go wrong and there's a technician on the way. So, you know, as, as we all know, prevention is better than cure. Yeah. So that's a, a big element of what we're doing now and um, remote diagnostics. So rather than sending a, a technician to a, a tractor to see what's wrong, come back to the yard, get parts, go back again, we can actually monitor and, and uh, diagnose the tractor remotely from the workshop. So we can just go first time with the right parts. What was the difference between the new tractor that came out yeah. and sort of the previous models? Well, quite a lot of differences, but they've changed the cab, the whole layout of the cab. There's different transmission options available in the new M, and the biggest thing um, to, to look at is the the sloping bonnet. You know, there's a high visibility bonnet, which for a small tractor, whether it's you know using it for loader applications or uh, you know in small tight environments, the visibility is second to none. Other machinery that you sell here, then, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, it's not just John Deere. Not just John Deere. Not Deere being our primary franchise. We also sell Kramer uh, telescopic handlers and, and wheel loaders. Um, we've been selling those for a few years now. Uh, spearhead, um, hedge cutters, toppers, those sort of machines. Uh, K2 trailers uh, that we, we partnered with K2 just about just over 12 months ago. And that gave us access to a rear bit of spreader, which was something that's quite a popular machine in, in our area. So, um, yeah, we've, we've been very pleased with that addition, really, because we've got also the, the trailers, the trailer range and the, the push trailer, uh, which I think will become more and more. You know, as trailers have got bigger, especially silage trailers, they've gone from sort of 10 ton, 12 ton, 14 mm. ton, 16 ton. Now, you know, you can supply a 25 ton push trailer, which, you know, two of those will do what 
four 16-ton trailers would do. So that I can see that being a market that will go forward. Red Rock in terms of tankers and slurry equipment, uh, Cherry Products for the attachments, and then also on the uh, turf and, and ground care uh, aspect of our business, we sell, uh, apart from the DMOs, we've got the Grillo equipment still, Wessex, uh, Hater, uh, so, you know, we, we've a good balance on that side of the business as well. If we talk about sort of lockdown in the last year, it's obviously been really rare times for everyone. Yeah. How did that impact your business? In terms of furlough, we didn't furlough anybody. And I, I was quite proud of that, really. Our biggest concern when the lockdown was uh, called in uh, was actually keeping our staff at work because we'd so much product that we needed to get out to farmers. Mm. You know, it was March as we know, and you know, that's a pretty busy time of the year for our customers. We'd neck end of hundred tractors sat there waiting to, to go out and we needed to make sure we got them out and, you know, uh, delivered to the customers. So that was my main concern. Uh, to be fair, deer were pretty good in terms of the work they did with government to make sure we were classed as key workers and, and so on. So in terms of how we operated, yeah, there was some massive changes there so salesmen we kind of kept away from the depots anybody that can could kind of practically work from home uh, we, we, we we did that but that's not as many as you think in our business because there's a lot you need to be in the office for to mm. do in terms of administrative work and whatever so that wasn't as straightforward as, as you would think uh, but salesmen we made those remote so you know it was it was a, it had a massive impact on logistics of how our business worked great well thanks for joining me today Stuart that's been great thank you thanks Lucy well that's it for this week's podcast we'll be back next week with more of the latest farming news and interviews stay safe and we'll see you then